are live for episode 58. 58. Thank you, Grayson. Ooh, schooled. Of the Roads Untraveled podcast. Uh, what have you guys been up to all week? Ooh, Grayson, go Weekend, right ahead. I guess. It's a Sunday today. Grayson, go ahead. Well, we don't really get weekends, to be honest. Like, no. our weekend, I guess if you want to say it's Saturday and Sunday. Did we do anything yesterday? Okay, Roads and Traveled, I, I, I was doing stuff for... <laughs> that was uh, me shaking my head. Yeah, um, for Roads and Traveled, uh, I don't think we've done... I mean, we've just been catching up on paperwork, um, getting the website updated. A couple shoots um, got canceled. A couple shoots got canceled, got rained out today. Um, yeah, and then I was just been doing aerial work, doing uh, some port stuff for the uh, TransLink project. But other than that, nothing too exciting. Um Aerial stuff going to get you prepared for Wednesday's aerial shoot? It's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Yes. Yeah, hopefully it pans out. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Area 27 uh, is has been paved. It's finished paved. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a legitimate racetrack now. If we wanted to, we could drive there right now, hop the fence or something, and just go run around on the track. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in the mood to, but... <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I actually saw a picture, and I think they've got uh, like an actual street sign on that road now that's yep. called like Area 27 Drive or yep. something like that. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 See, like, um, we could steal the first lap of the track and <laughs> just drive up there <laughs> well, tonight. Technically, and then... if we want to be technic- technical, technical, I've already done a lap on the track. In, uh, the well, no, you, like I'm talking about the actual pavement. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so did everyone else on the fucking golf cart. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool, though. Um, you know, when you're getting those aerial shots, when you're getting those ground shots, it's, you know, it, it gives you an idea of what the track's going to be look like, uh, that, that it's going to look like. But when everything's brown, you don't see the elevation as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, you kind of see where it's paved. I mean, from an aerial shot, they soaked the actual track, so it stands out a little bit. But for the most part, eh, not quite. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot nicer to actually have pavement you can easily follow. Because yeah. then it's like black on white, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of exciting and cool and just in all like as a package it's just bloody brilliant the fact that at least like we got to see it pretty much go from like dirt to actual track oh yeah no 100 percent. and it's cool because uh bill was telling me that like originally i just saw the white curbings or whatever the white curbs um and he was telling me that obviously the area 27 logo is like the blue and the white right, right. so they're doing stripes on like proper proper curbs right they would have stripes on them like blue white blue white blue white oh instead of like the generic red white red white yeah do? no it's gonna be blue white oh, okay that's kind of cool it's very cool yeah i'm excited to see that that'll that to me will be like the finished like finished track yeah that yeah. will basically stand off as like yeah. or stand out to make it actually like from the air yeah to see that yeah i agree which would be very cool yeah. um so jesse's not here this week uh and i'm gonna give his segment a little love uh called wait what we need to pause for a second. No, I'm just seeing your levels. I don't see any levels. No, yeah, levels are coming up. On there, isn't it like? No, this is just one. Of the oh no, it never really track. shows the bottom one, but. Oh okay. This it. is just yeah. the one I'm highlighted. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I should raise them up a little bit there, a little low. Eighteen. Yeah, that one's good. And uh, you have the normalize feature on there somewhere. I'd suggest you use that uh, before you export it, just because that brings up all the low levels and matches it to the high levels. Yes, yeah. 
Oh, did you um, little? Uh, can we get back to the wait? What? Because I was going to Go do a follow it. up. Because yep. I don't yep. think any of you guys really know what's going on now. Me and Eric did a podcast, and I'm assuming everybody's heard that, right? Uh, like ninety or hundred people have listened to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But that went up on so Saturday. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Uh, do you know the full story with Eric? Wait, which one about the exploding tire? Well, okay. Well, yeah, I guess I. Okay. Well, basically, we, we <laughs> did an event. That's an event on it. We yeah. did a. Um, uh, me and Eric did a quick uh, podcast, just the two of us. Um, that was basically as soon as he came back from his trip, and his original intention, like he lives in his van, um, lives up in Squamish, as everyone would have known from the podcast. Um, so basically, just kind of catch you guys up. He's been living. He was living in Westphalia, which he liked, but it had rust problems. So he sold the Westphalia and he went out and bought a Astro van. But it's a safari van, so it's four wheel drive. Um, it's smaller on the inside than the Westphalia, and it's actually not made for a camperized van. Right. So basically, he ripped out the back seats and he retrofitted it, so to speak. So now, like you know, he, he put a little futon in there that he has storage underneath and everything like that. And we went on a road trip. Uh, me, Jesse, um, or I should say, uh, Eric, Jesse, and I um, went to Bella Coola, which is kind of twenty hours away from Vancouver. Dude, I looked up Bella Coola on Google Maps. That's like that's like out in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, oh, I, I looked at the size of it. It's like four blocks big. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's a weird place. I, I it definitely cool. Really, I would love to go back. Um, we. We had like three days, and originally we didn't think about going that far. We had no idea what we wanted to do. All we knew is that we had some supplies and twenty hours, and basically three days to drive wherever we want. Yeah, so that's it cool. was just like long days. Um, like I think we only stayed there for one full day, then we slept and came back home. Um, it, it was an adventure though, and I liked it because you know for the most part we really don't get out of Vancouver or you know a Soyuz. So they're the, like the very common the main places roads. we always go, but we never actually went to the Sea to Sky and up and you know take those roads up. And honestly, like BC is freaking beautiful. Oh yeah, uh, like we, we, we were uh, we were sleeping in grizzly territory. Like you know we were uh, we ended up camping at this stream, and it's like there's signs up all over the place saying "Do not go here past this time" because there's grizzlies come down to get water and feed. They have routines. Yeah, and like we're we're like sitting like you, you take a look at like National Geographic when they're going out or like Planet Earth and they're filming the grizzlies catching the salmon. Like this is where they film it, and we're sleeping right on the side of the riverbank. It's it's kind of cool, um, you know. They had um, twenty five hundred year old petroglyphs, or they don't Ooh, really that, know. How, that's they, nuts. They don't exactly know how old they are. It starts like, their predictions are anywhere between twenty five hundred and like thirty five hundred years old. Um, so, so it, just the other day, then. So petroglyphs, if people don't know, pyroglyphs are. We uh, we talked about this on the podcast, by the way. Okay, so fast forwarding until so basically <laughs> sorry, just no no just don't to, yeah just just want to get caught up yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah basically um, Eric um, we, we were three of us sleeping in his uh, van uh, just because it was too, we were too lazy to set this thing up so it was definitely on the smaller side uh, definitely a bit cramped but anyways he had enough with the Astro van he only had it or the Safari van I should say it's the same thing mm-hmm. um, he only had it for a couple months and now he said okay well I want to get rid of it so the next. Um, next step up is kind of getting a motorhome type setup. Um, that being said, he found a Toyota-based camper van. It, it's kind of a it, it's a Toyota pickup truck, but without a canopy on the back. It's kind of 
they built a motor home out of it. So it's right. relatively cheap on gas. You're not running a massive V8. It's a V6, and it's a Toyota pickup truck, so you can run those things into the ground. Um, so he found one down in this, um, down in the States, but he didn't want to go through the importation process, uh, just because he's basically driving down there. And I don't know what the rules are for importing a car from the States to Canada. It's not that bad. A a friend of mine has done it. It's just a bit of paperwork and it's annoying. My parents did it too with their car. But now is it, um, is it similar to getting a car from Japan? Apparently, it's probably a lot easier. Well, I mean, a like, lot subtracting easier. the fact that you have to get it shipped kind of on a freight and insurance and all that kind of stuff. If you remove that from the equation, is it the exact same paperwork? Do you need to get a Canadian VIN? I don't think you do, no. actually. I, no, North American I think, VINs are yeah. probably all the same. Yeah. I would okay. I would assume that uh, U.S. car can just come over. Because I know a guy, yeah. I know a, guy uh, a friend of my dad's bought... Um, a Jaguar XJ, I believe, from the States. And he literally right. just filled in some paperwork, showed it at the border, and they're like, yep, yeah, go right ahead. You pay your taxes or whatever, like your import tax or whatever for... Well, and it's not like... five grand for the car, so import tax or whatever, and then you're set. Yeah, no, and it's not like they have to do, like, the radiation testing or whatever, like when they bring over cars from Japan. Right, right. Because Fukushima disaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so he decided... Yeah. He found one in Toronto. Yeah. Um, I won't repeat myself too much, but... Basically, the plan was is that he had a 10-day meditation retreat coming up, and he basically had three days in total for him to fly to Toronto. His flight got in at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He had the uh, dealership he was buying this this camper from. They they showed him pictures. I saw the pictures. This thing looked amazing. It looked absolutely like mint condition. Uh, The guy said, like, look, this thing looks like it's just rolled out of a time capsule. Um, It only has, like... I think it was like ninety to one hundred ten thousand kilometers on it, so like mm-hmm. low kilometers for it, especially for a Toyota pickup truck. Yeah, it, it, he was sold. It was it was listed at fifty five hundred bucks. So then what ended up happening was he had to um, his flight arrived at one p.m. in the afternoon. It was a two hour cab drive or cab ride from the airport to the dealership. The dealership closes at five o'clock. So best case scenario, he didn't check a bag. But best case scenario, he would be out of the airport at one thirty, in a cab immediately, and then by um, three thirty, he would be at the dealership. Best case scenario. Now, that basically left him about an hour and a half to buy, insure, and start driving this truck. Mm-hmm. Now, he has three days counting the day that he arrived in Toronto. So, basically, he had to make it pretty much out of Ontario, by, or at least pretty close to the border of Ontario, by, like, you know, evening to, like, early morning. So, he had a lot of driving to do the first day just to get there in time. Mm-hmm. So he shows up, um, he called ahead, and he told the guy that he was coming in from Vancouver, which I'm kind of starting to see that that was probably the biggest mistake he made, because he showed up, and this thing was a piece of crap. There was rust holes in it, there was, it, like, you know, the photos that he took were very but specific to only show the good parts of the van, and I guess out of the assumption that if these main parts are good, then the rest of it will be fine. Here, here's, I don't want to repeat, because the listeners did listen to this story okay. a few days ago, Yeah. but what I, like, what I don't get, like, I would want to talk to Eric about this, but if I was going to fly across the country, 
I would, I wouldn't just take, because obviously the owner of the car is going to take very specific photos of the very best parts. This is a dealership, though. A deal, dealerships are shady. I would no, never no, buy a car. Dealerships are This is way like shady. a, it's not a Toyota dealership, but this is a, like, I, I forget what it was. It was like a GM dealership. It wasn't like a exactly. hole in the wall <laughs> kind of. No, I'm, it, it's not like one yes. of these, like. No, I'm no. actually being serious. Dealerships like that are the shadiest. But, but regardless. And they have big lorries and they can get away with whatever they want it's like uh, it's not as much as a used car salesman like i understand oh, the yeah, stereotype but... of the used car salesman and stuff like that yeah and, and like i when you go to gm they have a certain standard they usually adhere to R- regardless though as a buyer i mean it's always buyer beware right you, yes. you have if if i'm buying a very specific car and you look at the pictures if i'm flying across the country i'm going to be like Okay, these are the pictures. I want you to walk out to your yard. I want you to take very specific pictures. I want you to get under the car, take pictures of this section, this section, this section. Maybe do your research, see what the problem-prone rust areas are of that specific model. And be like, I want to take pictures of this and this. Take pictures of the exact odometer in the dash or whatever it may be. And go from there. I mean, that's the best you can literally do, buying sight unseen. But yeah, no, I like I don't know that. how many photos they were. Yeah, there were, um, but I don't know how willing somebody would be for a five thousand dollar car. Then to you don't. Kind of... Then you don't go. Yeah. Um, In my this is all. Yeah, just, no. I would love to talk to Eric about it, but but like clearly it didn't work out. So yeah. clearly he learned something from this experience. Yeah. Um. Either way, the dude's a, an asshole. You should go listen to the podcast. Like the dealership's shady, no matter what. Yeah, for sure. But like the the biggest thing <laughs> is that. I don't think he should have told him he was coming in from Vancouver. No. Yeah. I think that was his biggest mistake. Because the moment he says, I'm hopping on a plane, I'm going to go and spend, I go $700 or something like that each way to come and check out a van that's worth, or this truck that's worth five grand. You know, at that point, as soon as he said, look, man, there's rust in the, in the doors. I need to get going. I'll give you four, uh, $4,000 for it. The guy said, nope, we can't move from 5500 that is like that is straight greasy. Yeah, like he knew yeah. that he traveled like from Vancouver to come get this um, come get this camper van. He lied clearly about it, and he if if he didn't tell him that he was coming in from Vancouver, realistically, it would be like any other car sale, and it would be okay. You know, I'll give you this much for it. it's like no, give me this much, and it's back oh, sure. and forth, yeah, right? You, you you haggle a little bit. Yeah, um, I've never met anybody who's been flat out who said no. You know, I'm not coming down at all on price. Yeah. Even my C63, they were like, you guys have bought a couple of cars from us. We'll give you like three grand off the car. We well, didn't yeah. even ask them. They were just like, we'll give you three grand off like from a loyalty perspective. I was like, sure. Well, because they want to sell the car. That's yeah. the thing, right? That's see, what's weird about it. See, this is... Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I've... Different dealerships, you can walk into different dealerships and immediately there's like a different vibe. Um... Like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to say names just because, like, then people start getting t- testy and stuff. Like dealership names, but <laughs> there's certain car companies where, or certain automotive uh, manufacturers or whatever, where you walk into their dealership and you can tell that the people literally have no interest other than to sell you a car. And as soon as you like tell them, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm only looking, or you know, not for right now. Like, I'm looking for like, you know down the road a couple months they immediately immediately lose interest yeah, they just like literally walk around they literally just turn their back when you like mid like midways really? of you talking to them and they just walk away 
Really? See, I, I've oh, literally, yeah. I've never had a real dealership experience in my life. I've never walked into a dealership. I've never actually taken a test drive. I've never really? done it. It's actually no. not that great. Like, it's, this is, this is what I'm getting to, though. Okay? I should, but so, I, I no. So there's these dealerships that will literally treat you like crap if you're not buying something. Then go to different dealerships. Now, it's not, this This is the cheaper dealerships. Like, the one, the places where that sell affordable cars, they treat you like crap, Right. Right. The places... Okay, I wanted to buy a C63. So, there was a Subaru dealership. I'm just going to start saying names, Kurt. There's a, Subaru, <laughs> there's a Subaru dealership in Vancouver that had a C63. Wow, that's unexpected. Well, a used one, right? It was yeah, resale. sure. So, we went there and I started talking to one of the salesmen there. I'm like, I, I'm interested in the C63. He's like, oh, like, would you like to look at it? I was like, yeah. So, he goes and gets the key and everything. I was like, could I take it for a test drive? Because it's a used car, it's a C63, like, I want to know if there's something wrong. I want to drive the car and actually be like, okay, gearbox works, like, it's steering works, like, it yeah. works, right? <laughs> yeah. He says, no, you can't test drive it, you have to, put, you have to like, buy it before you can actually drive it. So I go, no, like, <laughs> I'm not just buying a car yeah. blindly like that, you know? Right. He denied you a test yeah, drive? Yeah, he said, you know, they, they don't, yourself, no, no, no. Or listen here. No, no, just let me finish. It'll yeah. make sense. <laughs> they they said that the car was too powerful. <laughs> um, I asked them about the warranty. I said, is this car under warranty? They said, uh, we think so. It should be. I was like, okay, if something goes what? wrong, then is the, do I go to Mercedes or to come to you? They're like, oh, you probably just take it to Mercedes. Literally, you probably just take it to Mercedes. Wow. So at this point, I'm already like uninterested in the car. Com- like, oh, I, yeah, I'd of course. Pay, like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. But they keep like screaming around. They're like, "Oh, like if you put down like ten thousand dollar deposit, maybe we could get you to do a test drive." But I was like, "No, go away! Like yeah. I'm not putting. No, screw off." So I decided, screw it. I'm going straight to Mercedes Benz. So I drive to Mercedes Benz in Langley. Yeah. And I walk in and I say, "Do you guys by any chance have a C63?" They're like, "Oh yeah, we have this. And this the exact exact same one that I went to the dealership. It was the same color, the same wheels." Had the performance package just like the other one, literally the exact same car. I'm like, oh, um, now I didn't want to ask for a test drive because I just got shut down at the right. at the Subaru dealership. Right. But I was like, whatever, I'll ask anyway. So I go, could I take it for a test drive? The guy's like, yeah, of course. Here's the here's the deal. At the Subaru dealership, the Mercedes, the C63 AMG is like double as expensive as the most expensive new Subaru. Oh, yeah. But versus I, I was going to say you that. go into the Mercedes, no. they've got like $300,000 cars there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what I'm, what, the same Subaru dealership had a Lotus Evora. They had like a couple like M3s and they, they had a bunch of expensive right, cars right. and they used cars. So it's a $60,000 car. That's, you get Subarus for 60 grand. Can you buy a Subaru yeah. for sixty grand? Like the top end SUVs, like decked out. I'm sure you could hit sixty grand on one of those. I would be maybe Canadian. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you almost expect the low end dealerships to be the ones that are like, oh yeah, go for it, like you know whatever, and you expect the like more expensive, like high end ones to be like, you know, no, we don't let people test drive our cars, kind of thing. Right. But it was a complete opposite. <laughs> Wherever I go to, like a Toyota or a Nissan or whatever. They kind of treat you a bit like scum, unless you're like, oh, I want a car, and then they just like, okay, they literally just talk you because they like they don't want the sale. Whereas whenever I go into like an Audi dealership or a Mercedes dealership or Porsche dealership, Land Rover, Jaguar, they like come to you and they actually talk to you, and they're like, mm-hmm. I mean, I realize it's a sales technique as well to just talking to people and like making oh, them think course, that you don't yeah. want to sell. 
but the thing is that they like come up to you they're like hey would you like something to drink would you like coffee anything if you need us just come let us know whereas you go to like any any other place and they just hound you and hound you and you say like i'm not really interested i'm just looking and they just literally ignore you yeah shout out to mercedes-benz langley fans of the show apparently. see now <laughs> see now the thing is that especially with more luxury uh cars it kind of comes with the package, right? Like when you bring your car in for service, when you bring, when I bring my uh, Chevy into GM, like they have coffee that you pay for. They have like, you know, you have to pay for your coffee. Oh yeah. Dude, I got a free hat. And well, no, but that, 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 that's, that, that's what I'm saying. When, no, you're, when you're going for luxury cars, yeah. you, it's a different type of service. It's all about being pampered, right? So yeah. that's, that's why they have more of that sales technique. Now, I would agree with you that you know, used car salesmen are either, you know, for the most part, can be a little bit just bottom line. I have to sell X amount of cars because each car is only worth so much in commission or whatever the scenario is. Um, I've had two different sides. Um, I've seen two different sides to the, to the story. So um, I was looking back in high school. I was 16 at the time, something like that. And our truck, we had a uh, Toyota, um, not Toyota, um, Chevy Silverado. Mm-hmm. It had like 360,000 kilometers on it. It was a 93 without any major repairs. The only thing that ever went wrong with it was the um, the window stopped, like the electronic window stopped working <laughs> once. And right. this and the seat got jammed. It was electric seats, and one of the seats got jammed. Well, Other than did. that, not a single repair, major wow. repair. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, for three hundred and sixty or whatever it was, thousand kilometers. It's just under four hundred thousand. Um, and basically, like I was at that point, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just getting my license. I'm gonna be driving this car, so like, I'm gonna go and like my dad's looking for a new one, so I'm gonna help him find it. So I did all the research. I was like, look, we went with the Silverado before. Let's go with another one. They're reliable. I knew nothing about cars at the time. Um, and basically, I went around and started calling dealerships. I started going to dealerships, kind of looking around. Um, and I was a 16-year-old kid looking for a car. Wow, yeah. So, you know, I definitely get it. Like, some salesmen just don't take you seriously. Yeah. Um, whatever. Um I went to – there was a place uh, – I'm trying to think. Of, if you go down 64th. Uh, there's a Chevy dealership at like 120 something. Uh, it, it's kind of like Newton area. Anyways, I don't know. I've never been to a Chevy. Yeah. Dealership. So basically, <laughs> um, there was a guy there, and this guy was absolutely amazing. He talked really? to me, and then I'm like, look, like, I'm looking for my dad. Then he's like, yeah, well, we have this, this, this. And he says, I'm going to do some research for you. I'll see if there's any cars in any of our um, other. I think he was with. Uh, it starts with a B. Um, no, not not Bernie GM. Anyways, um, whatever it was, and um, they had like two or three different places, like in the Lower Mainland. He said, "Let me make some calls, see if I can hunt one down for you and bring it in." Yeah. So he hunted down. He gave us like three options. He brought them all into his shop for us to come take a look at. Wow, but yeah. this guy yeah, wasn't impressive. just about you know just making the sale. He was there making a connection, and that's what I really respected about him. Like mm-hmm. I after that, like after I was looking for my car, I was like, "Look, I'm looking for these kind of things in a car. I need something." cheap on gas all this kind of stuff if he didn't have something in stock he would also look up other places in the area for the for something that i can go test drive or something like that so he helped me and like i would come back like for a service like two years later bringing it back to the same place and he would recognize me he's like oh hey how's it going how you like wow. the truck yeah. you know like, you know holding up like he remembered you for you it was more like sorry for him the sale was more than just money. It was building a yeah. connection with the client. He, right? he, he, and you know he what? helped someone find a vehicle. Yeah. And at right. the end of the day, yeah. that's 
that's literally what every salesperson should be. Yes, but now I'm going to tell you Don't the other side of the story. Don't be a salesperson just trying to help someone. Yeah. So I was looking for a car. I wanted to go get a Chevy Cobalt because back in high school, um, I, I, you know, like my friend had. Well, no, my friend had um, <laughs> the Cavalier, and we had so much fun in his in his Cavalier okay, his okay. manual. I think that's the first time in history that fun <laughs> and Chevy Cavalier have ever been used in the same sentence. When, when you're when you're 15 and your friend and you your friend who I guess for whatever reason he got his license like earlier than everyone else he had. The, an early he birthday. didn't have a license, dude. Just admit it. <laughs> yeah, he had an early birthday. Plus, he went through the training program, so right. it uh, took time off on getting his license. Whatever it was, he was the first of our friends to have a car. We could finally go somewhere. Yeah. We a- had any a car lot. Of, we had a lot of fun times with this Cavalier. So I was like, you know what? Like, I, I want to stay in that same family. The Cavalier stopped at ninety or two thousand, two thousand one, something like that. Yeah. And then the Cobalt took over. So I was like, I'm gonna go get a Cobalt. Kind of, I had a lot of good memories with it. So I'm gonna kind of continue it on so i um the guy um a good friend of ours or not a good friend of ours but like the guy who sold us our truck um he did his best trying to locate one that was kind of you know in my price range you know i didn't want anything that was too new but i want something somewhat recent and all this kind of stuff so he actually found one at carter gm out in coquitlam they're not associated he's like go check it out i stumbled it across in my research so you can go check it out there so he actually sent me to somewhere else where he's not going to get a commission. He's not going to get a commission, yeah. but he just wanted to help me out because, you know, we, we, huh. we, we know him. Really nice guy. Anyways, so I go to Carter GM. I look at the car, and Nick, I remember his name very quite well. <laughs> uh, Nick's this, um, you know, very nice Asian guy. Um, he, um, you know, when I first met him, sort of sat down, very eager to help me with anything that I could possibly need. Um, he was like, yeah, yeah, but, you know, if your dad wants to come check it out, come check it out. Like, you know, it's like, got oh, this, 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 I can look into it. Very enthusiastic, very outgoing. So I ended up making the sale with them, you know, shook my hand, very polite, very nice guy. I bring my car back from, uh, for a service at the, um, at Carter to their place. I think like three months, or sorry, three weeks or a month later or something like that. I'm walking around as my car is getting serviced. He comes up to me. It's like, oh, hey, can I help you? Can I um, interest you in a test drive of something? He completely forgot who I was. Yeah. I tried reminding yeah. him, oh, yeah, you actually sold me a Cobalt <laughs> like, um, you know, like a, week, a month ago or yeah. whatever it was. And he was like, okay. It's like, well, have you ever thought of upgrading it to like go and get, like, oh, go and take wow. a look at it? I was like, honestly, dude, just fuck off. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I don't, I'm not expecting us to build a huge, like, long-term relationship here. But, like, it's been less than a month. Yeah. And it's like, and he just called me today, actually, because I'm on his book still for owning a Cobalt. And he tried selling me another car. And he's like, and again, this was... Must be a slow 2011, month, <laughs> 2012 that this happened. Yeah. And he called me today saying, oh, do you still have the Cobalt? Do you want to trade it up? Maybe go get something like a cruise. Like, not fucking really. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I was that, – that, that, that's guy that, – that's uh, – anyways, I, I've, I've experienced it from both sides yeah. of the story. Sure, yeah. Some, I'm not going to write off all used car salesmen as being kind of grease bags and stuff like that. I've definitely wow. seen my share of people who are just wanting to get you out of the door – um, you know, or have lo- lose all interest in you the moment you say, "Oh, I'm just looking." Um, but I have met the few people who go above and beyond what they are obliged to or obligated to sure, to, yeah. to help me out. I've I've experienced my own, one of my only car experiences. A friend of mine, she was looking for her first car, 
Um, I don't think she has actually bought one still to this day because of this experience. Um, but, <laughs> She's that bad, eh? Yeah, she found a... It was, I think it was a Jetta or something. It was an automatic Jetta. It's like a mid-2000s. Kind of like the one that we that was all moldy and stuff. Uh, it was in North Van. So uh, she was like, oh, do you want to hang out and go and take a look at this car? So I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll go drive out there. And so this sales guy is like, I'm trying not to get in the way too much because I don't, I don't know what she wants or what she doesn't want, right? Yeah, right. But that, I asked like the proper questions and all that stuff. And then, uh, again, like wouldn't let us take it for a test drive. Either way. Really? And this was like uh, two years ago, maybe. So, I mean, I was 21 at the time. I mean, I wasn't like 18 or something, right? Uh, wouldn't give us a test drive on this like $4,000 car. Literally let her drive it from one end of the parking lot to the other. Oh, yeah, because that's how you get a feel for it. And then at the end, um, I should have jumped in, but she gave him her number. Biggest mistake of her entire life. Oh. Uh, and then he gave us a free, like, jacket because he thought that she looked cold so, to, like, you know, like, entice us back, you know? It had some, like... And this is a dealership? It's a used car dealership, okay. yeah. And then, anyway, so, yeah, and then, the, the basically, I felt bad because for the next, like, two weeks, she was like, yeah, this guy won't stop calling me <laughs> and leaving messages. He's like, oh, hey, what, did you make up your mind on this Volkswagen Jetta, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah. After that, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because... Because I own the 300... I still own my 300 ZX, right? Now, the first two years that I owned that car, Nissan... Because I had it, like... Because it's registered. So I can't remember how it happened, but Nissan knows I have it. Mm-hmm. Nissan, uh, they know you have it? Yeah, they know that I own a 300 ZX. Oh, that's... Oh, cool. you're well, just that's like in the system, or That's what? what it is. I took... No, I took it to them for a service, silly me, right when I bought the car, just to, like, change all the fluids and stuff. And right. I guess from that, I'm in the system. But anyways... For the first two to three years after I bought the car, actually probably two years, yeah, they would call me, like, every year they'd call me, like, they have, like, there's, uh, uh, what's it called? It's like in a, uh, customer thing. Where Appreciation it's like, day. Yeah, where, like, like you can bring in. in your Nissan and yeah. trade in for, like, a better price than you usually would be right. able to get or something. So I was like, whatever, I kind of like a 370Z. I might mm. go talk to them and be like, hey, 300ZX Twin Turbo for 370Z, <laughs> like, how much is it one day it's gonna you? one day that's gonna pay off well maybe <laughs> anyways so i i go to them and i'm like hey uh, i'm here for the cu- like the customer appreciation thing or whatever i have a uh, twin turbo 300 zx 1991 and they're like oh yeah we'll give you a grand for that whoa wow well that's because they know they can grand. turn around and sell it for well, eight how much is at it least worth? you think it's worth eight grand oh easy oh, yeah easy yeah it's technically worth like twelve, but no one will pay twelve for it because everyone's cheap as shit. But yeah, I'll get eight for okay, it. Okay, if, eight, I, eight if to I, ten, I want I'd to say. go and buy yours on Craigslist, it'll be eight grand. After you know, if it's listed for eight, would I haggle the guy down? What am I paying? Good luck trying to eight. find one listed for eight. eight. They're all listed okay. for twelve grand. They're all listed <laughs> and ha- for like haggle down to eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but you have to remember is that you bring in the car. Uh, of course, that's what that's their first offer. You could probably get him up to three grand. I oh would no, say. he was like, he was like, he's like maybe a grand. 
Okay, well, okay. okay. This guy is I, either I realize, just an idiot I realize, or no, no. It's just, this is where they make their money. Yeah, it's not exactly. an, it's not a customer appreciation. No. It's come give us your car and we'll give you a new car and give you a rip off on the deal. But yep. it gives you a lot less work. You don't have to worry about going and selling your car yeah. and doing all this kind of stuff. Yeah. We can t- we can take care of it all in a day. Right, right. I mean, but like, you get screwed. Think, well, of course, but like that's where they make their money. <laughs> They're not going to go and buy a car for seven grand to turn around and sell it for eight. Oh no, I realize that. Like they need at least uh, like, they need to more than double their money on every used car they buy because there's a liability what if they buy it and then something shits the bet on it and that brings me to an interesting thing that that same salesperson said to me he said they make more dealerships make more money off of used cars than they make off new cars uh yeah i would believe that yeah they release statistics on car leases if you don't know um during like the 2007 um stock market crash right Mm -hmm. um the problem was is that they were doing um yeah, fuck. It's getting getting too late at the recall. But basically, what happened was <laughs> it was it was subprime lending. It was subprime mortgages. So basically, it was selling mortgages to people who can't afford them. Yeah. So it's it's they called ninja loans, which is no income, no job, um, no assets. Right, uh, is what they call a ninja loan. Um, basically. I don't. I don't care if you're, you know, not working. I don't care if you don't have an annual income. But if you have a name and you're a, have a heartbeat, we'll give you a million dollar loan to go buy this house. And yeah. that's that's one of the results of the financial crash. Well, anyways, um, they the, right now they're doing the exact same thing on car loans. So if you've, if I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast have noticed, especially recently, how many commercials or how many on YouTube, um, oh my god, on YouTube, but like yeah. how many like you know <laughs> radio ads are about no money down, you know, like j- just saying it's like you know no income, no whatever, that's fine, we'll take anybody, we'll give you the money regardless. It's a repackaged. It's going to cause another financial crisis. It is because they basically banned mortgage lending and for houses, but now it's the next thing is going to be cars. Right? People they, find ways to make mad amounts of money. What I was getting to though is that how much money do you think can be made on a four thousand dollar car? Now you may not think very much; it's only worth four thousand dollars. But they tracked a four thousand dollar car, and they just released this um, these statistics. They tracked a four thousand dollar car up for up to like ten years, or it, it, it was for a short period of time. It's probably less than ten years. I think it was like four or five years. But it ended up having something like twelve to fifteen owners. And what they're doing is they're going out to wow. people who don't have jobs, who don't have money, going and saying, "We'll give you this um, this four thousand dollar car with no money down, but an adjustable um, uh, rates for the future." Which means right. for any time, any reason in the future, they could say, "Okay, we need more money, so we're going to change your rate from zero a Ooh. month to three thousand a month." So now what ends up happening is if they default on their car payments, they don't get any of their money back and they lose the car. So a lot of these people start paying off small amounts, small portions of this car – um, over an extended period of time. So let's say the car is worth 4000 They maybe pay $2,500 off, and then all of a sudden they crank up the rates so they can't afford it anymore. They default on their mortgage or in their, um, on the car loan, and then they, uh, the dealership gets the car. Well, now they have this car that's still worth $4,000. Yeah, just do the same thing all over again. But wow. you just made 2500 bucks off yeah. of it. So they wow. ended up doing calculations need, and for a $4,000 car, well, that, that's, it's greasy and it's like predatory. That, that, that should be illegal. Can we, somehow, somehow. can we somehow do that with the Forester STI and just 
keep making a bunch of money on it <laughs> well, while we have it here. Like it ended up having something like 12 or 15 owners or something like that. And they right. ended up making of a $4,000 car something like 30 or 40 grand like in a couple That's of years. Nuts. That's crazy. Like it, that's it's actually disgusting. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. It's pre- it's predatory lending, and that's what's and that that's what the cause was for the 2007 financial crisis. Right. And they're doing the same thing, exact same thing, but instead of CDOs, which is the um, risky investments that cause the banks to go under, yep. they've repackaged it and no longer calling it CDOs because CDOs are banned now; they're illegal. So they basically reword it into something that doesn't sound like CDO. And it's so they didn't learn their lesson. In other words, how would they? Yeah, that's true. The, the, they got bailed out by the government for yeah. seven hundred billion dollars. See, if, if there's oh. there's a couple documentaries on Netflix of like this. Basically, I mean, the same crash happened in Iceland. I mean, it happened all over the world. But in Iceland, the government didn't bail out the banks. They all went to jail. Just yeah. like honestly, the what better thing? Yeah. One person went to jail after the two thousand seven financial crisis. One. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about J.P. Morgan. You're talking about um, Chase. Um, you, you know the largest banks guess, in the guess world. What? He wasn't white. Not what? that that really matters. But the <laughs> one guy that got arrested was not white. Yeah, he, oh, he, he, yeah. he ended up making uh, in like a month like 1.3 billion dollars. But like the big banks oh, were making that in a day on on a oh, good day. Oh, they were making that on a freaking hourly. Like, it, it was. I'm not even joking. Stupid, yeah. and and it's just horrifying because the more I read into it, the more I realize that it's happening again. Except without houses, it's happening with your car. And then there's yep. the other side of the spectrum where you get the real car nuts that can rely fairly reliably go out onto the used market and go onto websites like Bring a Trailer. Um, or eBay or whatever, snatch up a car that they know in five, ten years from now is going to be worth five, ten, fifty times as much as it's worth right now. Yep. But that's why they call it predatory lending practices because they're not after those people. They're oh, after yeah. the people who are, you know, immigrants they just need can't, to get around. can't speak English properly and they throw a 500 page document in front of them and say, sign it. And no and one's going to read through it. No, exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, again, they're picking off the people who are, you know, struggling the most. Okay. So here's, here's something to take away for the listeners. If you're, if you know someone that's not into cars. Okay. Let me start again. You're on have to be into cars at the level we're in like marcus myself into be into the level of cars so that you know when you're being screwed okay so yeah you have need to have a basic knowledge so you get so many people that have no idea and they don't like they don't have any interest in cars at all that's fine but educate yourself enough to know that when you walk into a dealership if they start throwing stuff at you you know that they're bullcrapping you new car dealership used car dealership I don't know. I think that's a like a thing that should happen more. Is it because that people get screwed every day, man? Like, remember when we went to that to the dealership to get the rare main seal for my three hundred? Right. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they kept trying to sell me like seal, like seal kits for like the front of the engine. Oh yeah. And it took me like a solid fifteen minutes to like tell him like, no, I know what I'm talking about. Yes. I want the rare main seal. Yeah. And he just wouldn't have it. He kept trying to sell me other stuff. Yeah. Right, but so like, either again, they're actually really stupid, or <laughs> they're just like trying to screw you. The, yeah. The problem is though yeah. is that you learned that by experience. No, I just you, you didn't like, walk like into your you, well, you didn't walk into your first dealership and have somebody pressure in uh, you start pressuring you to buy something, and you, you didn't go tell them off your first day walking into a dealership. Yeah, I did. Well, like, how old were you? 
This was like six months ago. Yeah. That was your first time walking to a dealership? No, no. The first time no, I went, it, well, the first I, time I've been is, in a dealership, like, I didn't take crap from them because why should I? Again, I, I've known it, a customer very, is always it's very right. intimidating, <laughs> especially when a customer doesn't know much about it. That's but that's what I'm trying to say is I I've been obsessed with cars since like literally since I could talk. So right off the get go, I walk in a dealership. I probably I, I'm not I probably know more than the guy that's trying to sell me the car. I, I'm not yeah, joking. No, like, yeah, especially sure, like because sure. the dealerships I go to are dealerships for cars that I like. Okay, I right. like read up about like a look videos about the cars like reviews like look at the technical specs of all the cars and stuff then i go to the dealership and i talk to the like the people that sell you the cars have no idea like 80 percent of them have no idea literally no idea they're just like oh yeah this is the new such and such it, it's a hybrid like, <laughs> fucking great bud like, they know the fuel economy numbers they know how many seats it they has. literally know enough to sell it to the like 99 percent the guy who watched the YouTube car commercial and then walked straight to the dealers- yeah. dealership. And yeah. that that yeah. is such a big problem because, like, 99% of people are just going to, like, see that be like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. And they're going to go in and you're just going to get absolutely wrecked. But how much do you need to know about cars? You need you to know that to... it has a warranty, really. To buy a new <laughs> car? Yeah. Yeah. But test drive it if you like the driving position, if you like the power delivery. Like, the basic stuff that you tangibly feel within the first, like, 30 seconds of driving a car... And if, if people see it has good gas mileage and has a warranty, doesn't honestly you don't really need to. See the problem is, is that like you need to educate. I, I agree with you, but at the same time you have to think about like in order to do this successfully, you need to educate people on auto like cars, car buying, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. But cars aren't a like they're not mandatory. If you're living in a city, oh, there's no, no exactly. point in having a car. No, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you can easily survive on public transit and everything off like that. that. City, yeah. uh, and that's what they're trying to push uh, people towards. Yeah. No, I agree. But for me, it's more so the. The point of view is more so not from really buying, but from when you go in for service or stuff like that. That because that's that's where lots of dealerships make their money as well, right? They make their money off the services. Yeah. And I realize like lots of them nowadays is like whatever it's like you pay fifty bucks and you get lifetime free oil changes and all that stuff. But there are the occasional times where you'll go to a dealership and they'll say, "Oh, we've got to change this and this and this," and I've been like, "You actually don't. It's completely <laughs> fine." Yeah. And as soon as you pressure them enough and you start, like, they realize, you know what we're talking about? Oh, man, they get shit scared. Oh, sure. They yeah. actually get terrified. They're going to get scared like, that you're on a hidden camera show or something. No, they. <laughs> I feel like they just get terrified because, like, crap, like, we were this close to doing something that, like, this person knew, like, uh, something you could, like, sue them for or something. Right. So, like, they they do shady stuff, man. They they, tr- they tried charging stuff. me a hundred and fifteen dollars to plug the computer that little thing in OBD to check the, part, yeah the, the the sensor reader to figure out why my check engine light was on. Yeah, man. They were going to give me a hundred and fifteen dollar <laughs> uh, fee for them to plug it in, not to do anything. You can literally buy a code yes. reader for uh, like a hundred bucks, yeah, if not less. My Mercedes, yeah, is that's a, crazy. Two hundred dollars, yeah, two hundred dollars per hour to work on it. Honestly, that's not su- that's not surprising. That's pretty damn bad, it's, considering it's I can take the three hundred ZX to like the Z shop, and he does it eighty bucks an hour. They do eighty bucks. Yeah. Wow. Well, because okay, wow. here's my thing. That's good. The, that's Dan, good. the owner of the Z shop, yeah. is like, I realize three hundred ZX are a p- 
pain in the ass to work on and I'm going to be working on it for a couple of hours. Right. So instead of screwing people, I'm going to be like, hey, I'll be reasonable. I'll charge you 80 bucks. I'm still going to make money because it's going to take me a while. I don't want to charge you like 150 bucks an hour like everyone else does because like honestly, I'm not going to get it done any faster. Yeah. And more people uh, are going to come to him then. Exactly. He gets more customers yeah. that way. Yeah. So like, like from that point of view, yeah. And he's like an honest guy. Like he's never told me something. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. But again, it's you have to find the right person. Oh and yeah. I've never gone to like my dad's got stories as well of like taking he had an old rover in South Africa. I don't know if you don't get rovers here. It's essentially like a Jaguar. Okay, yeah. I think. Um anyways, he had a rover. No, sorry. Uh whatever car he had. He had a car. He hit a bird with it and it started overheating. And nice. he took it to the How dealership. Big of a bird? Are you talking about like an ostrich? No, I'm talking about like a seagull. He like just, I think it was a seagull. He like he has seagulls in South Africa. Yeah, we have seagulls <laughs> in the whole entire world. I was just thinking, like, if this story would be a little more interesting. Like, I was hoping there's gonna be a twist on that <laughs> sure, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Anyways, so he hits continue. this bird, and the car just started overheating. Like, it hit the radiator, or whatever. Long story short, my dad, I think he took it like three, four times. He took it to the dealership, and every time they quoted him and charged him over, say, four hundred dollars or rand, whatever, to do certain jobs that they said we did this we did that and then like the last time he went they said okay you know we still haven't fixed the problem so we're gonna put in a new radiator and that should solve the problem so they charge him however much it is for the new radiator this is so this is the fourth time say now that he's been back to the shop to this dealership yeah to like the where he bought the car from car still kept overheating with a new radiator so he takes it did to they the- not take the feathers out no, you know, they actually didn't do anything all four of those times because my dad took it to another guy and the bird was still in the, like, stuck in the really? radiator. So they charged him four separate times for work. They charged him the last time. They charged him for replacing the radiator. Yeah. They probably didn't even open the hood. Yeah. That's how shady car dealerships can be. Yeah. But that's in South this, Africa. <laughs> no, this is, like, back in the day when my dad was, like, just out of university kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, when South Africa was on par, if not better than, like, most, like, like all in the u.s and stuff yeah yeah and yeah, it, it wasn't it's... like a secondhand it was like it was like a legitimate it was like, like it was like a... where you buy the car from new kind yeah. of thing yeah and the, like i've just heard so many well, stories that's that the I thing just, i feel I... like a lot of people who don't know much about cars just automatically assume that you know like a chevy dealership or a land rover dealership is directly connected and like overlooked by the actual company heads themselves they're, they're but even not. the company no heads i know don't that's care well, sure, because look at, look at look at VW. All they care about is the making. Well, VW. Every then everybody came out. Everyone was literally cheating. Ulrich. Every single oh, car no, company I, is I cheating with the emissions. It I, wasn't I, VW no, alone. I agree, but that's what I'm saying is they don't care. Yeah, they literally don't give a shit. They're just like, well, we're just gonna yeah. All the them. other companies were like, yeah. So we're all kind of doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're but skirting around these that's, laws. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. no one cares. They just like, well, it's just another thing to sell someone. If we can screw them, we'll screw them. As long as they bring the CEO like more money every month yeah. with the sales. And see, and this is where you know you at least hope that like capitalism comes out on top, and people who know that there's some shady business going on will write bad reviews or you know we'll we'll start telling people so that the good guys hopefully will come up on top it's just that we have this like you guys were saying this 
fake sense of security because we see a GM logo on a building or a Subaru logo on the building and we just assume that, well, they're part of the corporate culture, so they're going to give me the best treatment. They're yep. going to be the most professional. Be when, honest in fact, with me, when you be... really think about it, they're, they're, they're privately owned. They're, yep. they, you know, of course, they, they're... They're regulated, but very slightly by the actual um, by, by these actual manufacturers. Yeah, um, and it's you know that that's where they make their money. They're um, literally they're literally just told like, hey, we're gonna send you these cars, uh, sell them for about this much. Okay, yeah, that's literally pretty much the dealership's connection to the manufacturer. Yeah, like the GM <laughs> dealership they charge that I believe it's one forty an hour. Uh, to work on a car, so two two hundred isn't crazy for uh, Mercedes. I, no, it's not. Generally, a hundred is the standard if you go to yeah. an independent shop. Yeah. Right, independent shop. Yeah. I'm talking about an actual like you know for Delicious. GM. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like they're very easy to say. You know, this is off. Let me do this, or you know, like we've been noticing that your air filter. Like a few times um, now that actually. Like, Every time I bring in my car, I'm like, look, I do all the easy stuff myself, so don't yeah. bother changing air. Air filters, cabin filters, or anything like that. Yeah. Like, I do that myself. Um, you know, I just want you guys to take care of the messy shit, like the oil changes and stuff like that. So I said, just let me know before you start doing stuff. And the moment I say that, they're like, okay. And they're like, okay, well, your cabin filter's a little bit dirty, so I'd suggest that you change that when you get a second and possibly go check out this. You know, I'm going to swap that out. But, like, before I started doing that, before I actually started taking interest in my car, they ended up giving me ridiculous bills and the one and talking about carter the guy who sold me that carter gm up in coquitlam yeah i brought my car there because it was having transmission problems or it had like a head gasket or something was (laughs) those are two very very different problems basically (laughs) it was part it was part part of the drivetrain or it it had a problem with that or whatever and i was leaving for a trip i think this is when we were heading up to um the the, to film rob's cars for the first time right it was like a week before that and i was in a hurry to get all this stuff done get my car you know maintenance done and everything like that so i bring my car in for an oil change and they say look there's a there's a bad problem with i forget what it was you know, there's transmission or something like that sure, yeah. um you know like we highly suggest that like i would not drive it to a soul use without getting this repaired i'm like how much is it going to cost and mm. like it's going to be about 1250 bucks huh. so i'm like well fuck and i'm just huh. like i don't know what no to thanks. do <laughs> so so i'm like all right well like yeah i'll take it home i'll, I'll figure it out in a bit take take my car home I take it to the Langley dealership for a follow-up. They say, well, that's covered under your drivetrain. You have that up to like 150,000 kilometers. Hmm. So so they try to make you pay for something that was covered and then by if, warranty. If they you... was covered by warranty, they tried charging me $1,250, and they are the ones that sold me the car. Yeah. It's standard across all cars that it's 150,000 kilometers or whatever on it, and they cover everything to go uh, anything that would go wrong with the drivetrain. And they char- tried charging me $1,250. And, then, and if, as I was in a hurry, or if I was someone like my dad, he would say, okay, we'll go and do it, because he doesn't have time to worry about the car. He well, just yeah. needs it working. Yeah. And, and if you call, try to call them out on that, they'll probably just be like, oh, so, oh, we didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, it is under this warranty. Yeah, and, then and they then, just do it. And then you whatever. say, like, give me the refund. And then they would screw you around for, like, months with all oh, this and that. And then eventually you'd just be like, oh, fuck, just forget it. 
Yeah. But like this is like a legitimate. This is Carter GM. They're massive. They're, this is like a well done, expensive property. We're just calling everybody. Th- th- this out is today. on like Lowheat <laughs> Highway. No, 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 no. This is on Lowheat Highway. It's a nice location, expensive yeah. property, yeah. very valuable land that they're on top of. If you've been into the dealership, which you haven't, it's a nice dealership. <laughs> like you know, it's it, it's well kept up, very modern, very like a lot of glass, like beautiful place. And I, I just couldn't believe I almost dropped 1250 bucks on something that would have covered by warranty. Since then, I've never brought my car back there. Um, I bring my car to Langley. Um, they're really nice. They give me complimentary um, drop-off and pickup, so mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about uh, staying around or cabbing or whatever. Um, and again, what I've pretty much started doing every time is don't – before you change anything, like I do the work on my car myself, the moment you tell them that – now. I've always found these guys in Langley to be more reputable, so I'm not going to say it's because I've been saying this, but I haven't had a problem after I started doing my own work. Langley's on my car. like car central, basically in the yeah. Lower Mainland. Yeah. yeah, that's where where all the performance shops are and stuff. Um, there's a few. There's a couple aftermarket wheel companies too. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, like Fixie, I believe is how you. Pro- I don't know how you pronounce it. They have wheels in Forza, and they're based in Langley. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is, oh wow! Which is pretty nuts. That I, is cool. I found that out like a month ago, and I was like, oh, "We should do a sponsorship." They never got back to me. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, L- Langley. I mean, I've never had dealership experiences because I've never had anything remotely close to a new car. They've, I've o- <laughs> only owned cars from the nineties, ninety three, ninety seven. Uh, well, yeah, I had a Ford Ranger for like a week, um, but that's a different story. Um, I, I you just had a like Ford I, Ranger. It was my fr- technically my first car, yeah, for a week. It got it was is two thousand five Ranger uh, inline four manual and it, it was out in front of our house on sixteenth yeah. and it was parked there technically not mine it was, my parents bought it but it was the car I'm gonna drive right um and this old lady was trying to eat strawberries while she was driving down the road and just swerved into the shoulder I was parked fully onto the into the actual like full shoulder and just rear ended it and the truck was totaled oh yeah nice. and it was like f- like twenty feet down the road maybe. Wow. In first gear with the e-brake on. <laughs> yeah, th- this woman's car was, like, done. Surprised oh she lived, God. to be honest. But Holy, yeah, she must have <laughs> hit that at quite a pace. Oh, yeah. I guess the strawberries were really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, but, like, uh, um, now, now you haven't been to a dealership, but when you have to go and do repairs or maintenance on your car, yeah. where do you bring it? I do a bunch of research online. I'll go on to, like, the MR2 Owners Club, and I'll be like, or BC MR2, and I'll be like, hey, where do you guys take your MR2s? Because or he it, just does it himself. It's a turbo, or just simple stuff. Yeah, you do it yourself, like you do, or whatever. Easy stuff. Um, but like timing belt, for instance, on my very first MR2, within two weeks, timing belt snapped. Luckily, Toyota non-interference engine, so it's fine. No valve floating or any of those issues. Um, and so I looked up just basically someone who is specialized in performance vehicles. They've worked on turbo cars, supercharged cars, big V8s. They've got pictures of hot rods they've built on the side of the thing. And I think the rate of labor was like 110, maybe. Yeah. Like, I so, see so shops, it's fine. Like, shops like that, you always know that those guys take pride in their work. So it's like, I'll, I'll trust you with it. And they had a, the thing I was looking for was a bunch of reviews online, basically. Yeah. See, now, but. I would agree with you in the sense that it's a, it's a much easier decision when you have an older car. But honestly, like, I'm not saying this is based on any scientific, like, you know, any kind of like concrete knowledge or anything <laughs> like that. But. If I were to own a car that's 2004 or newer, I have a feeling it's a good idea to bring it to the dealership that 
the, that manufactured the car. So if if you know if I were to go and buy a Toyota truck that's an 04 or newer, I would probably take it to a Toyota dealership just because oh, yeah. it gets to yeah. a point where it's so computerized and there's so many little things that are very particular about the cars that there is something to be said about people who have a um, who know these cars inside and out who you know like that's all they work on all they work on is toyotas i, I would say like 2010 or newer oh dude for, for i would take a stuff. brand new car and take uh, it to uh i wouldn't i i honestly disagree with that completely well yeah? you use obd2 you plug your obd2 into the port and it tells you every single car doesn't matter what it is you plug your obd or oh, don't quote me on this but as far as i know you plug obd2 into any car it tells yeah. you what's wrong with it yeah you fix the problem. well cars it, nowadays are so easy to fix well, Versus back in the day, back in the day, you had to like listen and like well, try to figure out where the knocking internet noise is versus from no internet. Yeah, basically. Whereas now they just like you plug a thing in, it's like oh, like this and this filter needs to be replaced, or that and that needs to be replaced, and then they just replace it. In terms of like, when you have very little room to work in modern day cars. You have to move around a lot of stuff to actually get access to. You know, anything that's somewhat of a complicated fix. So if you take a look at it, okay, if you go to bring your car to the dealership, they might be able to drop it in an hour versus you bring it to someone who's never worked on that car before. It's going to take them longer to know, to figure out what bolts undo. And in that case, you end up spending more in labor, even though it's, you know, a cheaper rate. Because, like, you're talking, and again, this is very, like, specialty stuff that I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, You know, mid engine European car, mid engine Japanese cars Mm -hmm. bringing it to a Chevy place, you know, versus bringing it to somebody who knows those cars. Well, I was going to say, even, like, if I was to bring my MR2 into a Toyota dealership, the independent mechanic that builds hot rods and t- deals with turbo cars is going to be able to drop that engine ten times faster than the Toyota dealership. I get nobody, no young kid at the, working at the Toyota dealership is going to have dropped a MR2, MR2 turbo engine. Right, but no that's way. what I'm saying, is that th- that's more of a specialty thing. We don't really have that many MR2s. It's not... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about something more along commuter the lines cars. of commuter cars or yeah. even like a Porsche, for example, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if I bring um, – there's a difference if I bring a Porsche to a Porsche dealership versus a Chevy dealership. The Chevy dealership will <laughs> – They won't it. know what no. the hell to do. But yeah, but anyways, all, no, that's, they that's a bad example. They would not know anything. They're like, oh, this is what a real car looks like. Yeah, where's the, they would pop the front. <laughs> where's the engine? <laughs> but like yeah, – it's a bad example, but you kind of get what the no, point I'm trying to make yeah. is yeah, that, no, for you sure. know, bringing a car that like that's all they work on. They know all the little tricks. They all know like where all the little hidden snaps are. And yeah, well, they wrote the book on the car, essentially. So, yeah. Agreed. Did you guys have a good time tonight? Yeah, got got a good amount of running out. Actually, I'm going to I was going to get to the wait what's, um, but I'm going to say those until Jesse's back and on the podcast because uh, I've got some good wait what moments that I've been every time I see one I make it a habit now of re- putting them in my phone on the notepad so I got two of those um, but anyways w- what you guys do oh you guys got to go to onto iTunes uh, give us a rating and review <laughs> I keep saying this every episode we've got one new rating in the past like four weeks was it good yeah it was a five star it oh, brought okay. it brought us up to like basically a 4.8 star out of five on iTunes oh. who's the bad review I already told you he was. It was about the audio quality. Oh, okay. he gave us a three out of five. Can we so, delete his review and ask him to review? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. let's send. Let's private message him and say, okay. you know what? Like we've upgraded our equipment here. Like we need a different review. No, we just got to battle him with five star reviews. 
Yeah, we'll just I'll go. I haven't, I haven't rated it to be fair. Ulrich fail. I've if you're listening to this podcast, in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Don't use it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> just rate us on it. But yeah, but we have to use it. So um, yeah, go on there. Please give us a rating and review. Go obviously subscribe to the Roads Untraveled YouTube channel. Uh, Roadsuntraveled.net is pretty dope. We're gonna have T-shirts and hats and good stuff shortly on there, which is good. We're kind of kind of putting all that stuff in motion this week as well. So and if you um, speak Russian, we now officially have launched a more s- it will no it, uh, <laughs> well no okay. <laughs> we we had a Russian channel if you if our listeners didn't know. If you it speak Russian, it, it, it didn't do too well. To be um, fair, if they speak Russian, we were starting from scratch. It's we were like starting from scratch. A few yeah. hundred subscribers. Anyways, now. we have a proper Russian channel now. So if you speak Russian, go check it out. Two thousand subscribers in like two days. Yeah, it's pretty good. And um, that's more than we've had. If someone <laughs> speaks Russian and listen to this podcast, they're not going to go look because they understand English perfectly fine. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Grace is so so mad. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Um, yeah. Thanks, Ulrich and Grayson, for being on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next Wednesday. Possibly, maybe we'll put up another one on the weekend somehow, somewhere. Maybe we'll record one on the road or at Area 27. I don't know. But, yeah. Peace.